We all have our journeys, some long, some short, some harrowing and some easy. What kinds of songs does God think we need for our journeys? For hope, for trouble, or for joy? Join us as we learn to sing God's songs from the Psalms. I remember well the moment that I was alone at college. I remember the moment when my parents dropped me off in the lower parking lot and I walked up the hill to the parking lot and then to my dorm. I, I remember this jumble of feelings. There were, there were feelings of like, okay, now I'm on my own. This is exciting. This is a new adventure. New things are going to be happening. Now I'm in college. There was some sadness as I knew I would miss my family because I'm really close to them. I've always been close to them. But there's just some sense of fear, like, what is it now that I'm on my own, taking care of myself? How will this be? Will I be safe? That, that moment, I wasn't actually alone. I still had other people to depend on. I still was in relationships. I still depended on my parents. But in my thinking, it's I, 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 I. And that's the kind of language that we use often. We use words like I will, I am, I did, I must, I have to. And so it, in good ways, it can be a sense of responsibility. We use this language. This is what I need to do. This is where I need to go. This is what's going on. It can also be ugly in a sense of pride. I did this. Look at everything that I am. I'm on my own and I don't depend on anybody. I'm a self-made person. It also can be ugly in those moments of loneliness and despair when we go, there is nobody looking out for me. There's nobody watching over me, nobody taking care of me. Those are the, those are the ugly moments. And I was thinking about those when I, because we're starting this summer going to the Psalms of Ascent. We've been doing that the last couple of summers and we're going to be returning to the Psalms of Ascent. Those are some of the final songs in the book of Psalms. And they were meant for people to sing as they traveled to Jerusalem every year. Ascents. Jerusalem was the, the high point, both physically and spiritually. This was where they would go. And so they would journey upward through the mountains to get to Jerusalem, the city that's on top of the mountains. And these were the songs that they would sing. And I love the Psalms because they're what I call lewd spirituality. They're what it's like, not just words to memorize, but they're songs to sing. This is, this is what it means in, in, spiritually to be singing. And so I often return to read and meditate and sing the Psalms myself. And I want you to turn with me today to Psalm 127. That It's a Psalm for those of us tempted, whether it's pride or in despair, to think of ourselves as alone. This is, this is a song for us. Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. These 
these verses call to those of us that think that we are alone. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word, I pray that you would use it powerfully in our lives to help us reorient all of the activity of our lives around you. In Jesus' name, amen. The, uh, these, these verses in Psalm 127 call us to do everything beneath God's activity. You see, we so easily explain our lives as this is me and my activity and what I'm doing and what I hope to do. And Psalm 127 and the whole Bible calls us to do everything beneath God's activity, realizing that God is actually at work. And my work is actually coming up underneath him, working alongside him underneath and in relationship to him. And I, I want to show you today four ways that we cultivate an attitude to do everything beneath God's activity. You see these verses, verse, they call us in these four different areas of our life to, to faithfulness, to this attitude of wisdom and worship in these things. Beginning, the, the passage begins with, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain, telling us building is God's activity. Building something is God's activity. The houses that we live in, the lives that we create for ourselves, these are God's activity. Next, he says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Protection is God's activity. It's so easy to think of protection as something that belongs to us that we must do. But Psalm 127 says, we don't even protect ourselves unless God protects us. The, the verse 2 says, in vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Telling us that work is God's activity, our work that can so easily be toiling or anxious work. This is Work is actually God's activity. We do that underneath God. And then verses 3 to 5, this, this psalm can be so weird because it feels like this massive break between verse 2 that's talking about work in verses 3 to 5, they talk about children. But, but verses 3 to 5 tell us that even family is God's activity. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with the opponents in court. Often we hear this passage quoted, but never the whole thing. Because it can feel so disjointed. Unless the Lord watches over the city, this watchman watch in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, the, the laborers build them. And then, like children are a heritage from the Lord. What's the connection here? This passage is calling us to see that God is active in all of our lives. God is actually active in each one of these areas that we are active. Building, protecting, working, raising family. All of these areas are actually come up underneath God, who is at work in each one of these things. And so this psalm written by Solomon is this call to marry worship with wisdom. And by looking at all of our lives through the lens of God is actually at work. God is doing something here. And if he doesn't do something, then my activity is not going to fix it. My activity is not going to work. So this passage calls us to choose to have an attitude, a Godward direction towards our heart. To begin to orient our lives and say, unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. 
the Lord doesn't protect me, my protection is in vain. If the Lord doesn't provide for me, then nobody is going to provide for me. Even my children, that I feel like I have some measure of control. I made these. I bore these. These are my children. Even those are gifts that come from God. So what I want to show you in this passage is four ways that we cultivate that kind of attitude, that kind of Godward direction to our hearts and see that there's no sacred secular divide in our lives. This is this area of my life and this is the sacred area, the spiritual part of my life. Each one of these things, no, no division. There are no tasks that are separate. And so I want to show you three ways that we cultivate this kind of attitude. First, we choose to see there's no sacred secular task, no divide. There's not, well, there's the spiritual part of my life and then there's everything else. No, building, protecting, working, raising, each one of those things is a spiritual activity and a, a, a secular activity. Each one of these things, they cannot be divided. They're both at the same time. And my life is a called, in my life, I am called to make sure that there is no division. This is where the, the, the message of our culture, the message of our hearts, I must, I will, I have to, I have to provide, I have to get through this. Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord, all is vain. Every area of our life, unless the Lord is active, then, I, then what we do is in vain. So we have to begin to say, where is the Lord at work? God, where are you at work? Give me eyes to see your activity. Because I don't want to just be going through, doing the things that I need to do if you're actually at work in another place. God, if you're actually at work in my, in my work in a different way, give me eyes to see that, to join you. God, if you are at work in my family in a different way than I see, God, give me eyes to see that. This, the application of this is to begin to say, if there is no sacred and secular task, then I need to be praying and saying, God, will you protect me? God, will you defend me? God, will you provide for me? God, will you build for me? I find it so interesting that Jesus, when his disciples asked him how to pray, taught them to pray, give us this day our daily bread. When we get a, a guaranteed salary, when we get money in the bank account, when we get, we stop, I don't know if you're like me, we stop praying for God to provide for our daily bread. But Jesus is like, this is actually the attitude that we should have to begin to see that if God is not at work, all that we do is vain. God, will you give us this day our daily bread? God, will you give me the roof I need over my head? God, will you give me the work that I need to do? And so we begin to pray differently when we begin to internalize Psalm 127. God, where are you at work? God, be at work. God, be at work in my kids' lives, in my coworkers' lives. Be at work in my ministry. Be at work in our church. God, if you don't do this, all we do is vain. The second way that we cultivate this attitude this attitude of doing everything beneath God's activity. The second way we do that is that we choose activity from rest, not restlessness. You see, J.A. Motyer says that in the Bible, the opposite of rest is not work, but restlessness. And we often like think about our lives 
as rest and work, rest and work. And this, this passage begins to highlight for us that we actually think about anxious toil. Oh man, if I don't do this, then this isn't going to happen. But Meyer points us in this passage to say that God is saying, no, resting isn't opposite from work. Resting is opposite from restlessness, anxious toil that says, I'm on my own. That true work actually comes from a position of rest as we walk with the saints towards Jerusalem, as we walk on our spiritual journey and we begin to have eyes to see, God, can I actually be active? Can I work from rest? God, can I build from rest knowing that you're at work and I'm trusting in that, not my activity? God, can I actually protect and defend from rest? Because I recognize that you're the one that actually gives the true protection. And so then my work takes on this element of rest. I'm resting in God's activity. That as we begin to think through what does it mean to work and provide? What does it mean to work in the garden of the world for food? We're actually doing this knowing that God is the one that gives us rest and food. God is the one that gives us everything that we need. Can we begin to raise children not from restlessness? Oh, I have to get this right. This is probably especially appropriate for moms. I have to raise my children right. I can't screw this up. I have so much guilt over what I'm doing or not doing. Can we? This passage, 127, calls us to say, I want to be a mom from rest. I want to be a dad from rest. I want to raise children from this attitude of rest. Where does that come from? It comes from this Godward attitude, this Godward orientation of our lives. As we walk through our whole lives in a sense of worship, God, you're the one that's doing these things. And so I'm doing these before your face in every area of my life. God, free me from anxiety. I'm going to choose activity from rest, not activity from restlessness. One writer says that faithfulness in everyday life and vitality in worship go together. That this element of worship shows up in other areas of our life. This Godward orientation, God, you're at work, shows up so that then our activity can be done from rest. So we are called to begin to go through our days with this recognition that God gives us work and he gives us rest and he gives us provision and he gives us jobs and he gives us building and he gives us defending and he gives us children, that all of my life is coming from God's hand. All of my life is coming from God's hand. That's the lesson that Israel had so much trouble with as they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. God feeding them morning by morning, every day, teaching them, no, don't gather for the next day. Just gather for today. I'll have some more for you tomorrow. That's the lesson the people of Israel constantly wrestled with in the wilderness. Is, is God going to provide? Is it going to be good enough? Is it going to be satisfying? The people of Israel could never be satisfied, but the, we are called to say, God, you have promised day after day to provide. You have promised day after day to protect. God, you have promised day after day to raise. And so we're going to depend on that. God, we're going to lean into that. We're going to be choose activity from rest. That's a different way of working. When we're not 
working so anxiously to pay the bills, to advance our careers, to make more money, to do all of these things. God, you're the one who provided manna day by day. You'll provide for me day by day. God, you are the one that raised the dead. And so you're going to be the one that raises children, my children, day by day, giving them as gifts. The third way that we cultivate this attitude, this Godward attitude of our, around our activity, is we choose to trust in every activity. Choosing trust in every activity. That's what Psalm 127 is getting at. As the people journey spiritually and physically towards Jerusalem, taking on this attitude of, unless God does it, it's not going to be done, so we're going to trust him. God, God, unless you do this, it's not going to be done. So what do we do? We're called to, to, to trust. To trust that God is going to be the one to be active and to provide. Notice that in verses 3 to 5, as he talks about children, he talks about children as a heritage and as a, as a legacy. That offspring are a reward from God. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. He's pointing these two ideas to them. Guys, like the arrows in the hands of a warrior, I'm going to give you the things that you need. When you're a young man, the children are going to be fitted. They're going to be useful. That's the very thing that you need. And I'm going to give it. I'm going to give you the thing that you need, that usefulness then you're going to be secure. He points at that at the end. Like when you contend in the gate, you're not going to be standing there alone. You're going to be surrounded with a legacy of people to stand there so you're not facing your opponents alone. Giving them this idea, I will give you what you need, usefulness, and I'm going to give you the security that you need. And so the call to God's people is to be secure in the gifts that God gives us. The call in Psalm 127 is to be secure in the things that God is giving us, saying, God, I am content before you. God, I am content in my activity because I know that you give good gifts, the useful things that I need. God, I, I know that you give me the security that I need when I face my opponents. The call in this is to begin to trust the hand of God, trust the heart of God. The question for us is, do we trust Will we trust him as we walk on this journey instead of saying, I will, I am, I do, I must, I have to. Psalm 127 calls us to trust and say, God will, God is, God's not leaving alone, God's promised. Beginning to remind ourselves of that day by day by day, building hearts that trust. But if you're like me, this is the hard one. This is the hard one. How do I trust God that you're going to provide? God, how do I trust that you're not going to abandon me? And so this passage, this song that we're supposed to sing is just a reminder of all the ways that we don't trust. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders build in vain. So often the voice in my head is, unless I build this, it will not be built. Unless I protect this, it will not be protected. Unless I work hard, I will not be provided for. And so where is the good news for people like you and for people like me? Where is the good news for us? People who are judged by this because we do not live in trust. We do not do everything that, we're, that, God, uh, that we do beneath God's activity.
this passage becomes good news for us as we begin to look at it with the eyes of faith and see that Jesus is the one who did not divide his life into sacred and secular and yet died outside the city as an outcast in your place and my place. Jesus, the very temple of God, was torn down in your place, in my place, so that we don't have to go to a physical place to worship God anymore, that all of our lives can be lived before him. Jesus is the one who was never hurried, who was never in a rush, who was never overwhelmed. Jesus is the one who always trusted his father for the food that he needed and the roof over his head. Jesus is the one who lived his entire life in activity from rest, not restlessness. And yet he died in your place and my place so that we don't bear our own record and our own inability to please God in this way. Jesus is the one who trusted his father in every activity and yet died as a lawbreaker. And so this passage that calls us to do everything beneath God's activity means we get to do everything beneath God's smile because of Jesus. But you might be listening to this today and you go, how do I know God's smiling at me? How do I know that this is good news for me? This can be good news for you. Through what the Bible calls repentance and faith, repentance and trust. You see, the story of the Bible is the story that God made everything and he made it good. And he put Adam and Eve in the garden and he said, here is the work that I've given you to do. Shepherd and steward the world, fill the world and live underneath and alongside me. But Adam and Eve said, no, we will not obey your rule. We will not live under you. We're going to do our own thing and live our own way. And every human after them has joined them in that rebellion against God and his authority. But instead of leaving us there and saying, look at what you can build for yourselves, God came and lived the life that we should live, died the death that we should die, and was raised back to life as proof that his life and death was enough so that all who turn away from sin, a changing of the mind saying, I won't live that way, I will turn and trust Jesus. So that all who do that can find can find a welcome, can find that God's activity is for us, can find that God's smile is over us. No matter where we find ourselves and what we have going on, we can trust God has a smile and he's working for our good. If you have questions about that, please reach out. Go to our church website and enter and send, us, send me an email. Leave a comment on this video because I want to walk with you and help you Begin to do everything beneath God's activity, no matter what you're facing, no matter what battles are out there, knowing the Lord. this is not in vain because the Lord is on my side working for my good. Imagine what kind of difference that makes in your life when every area and every activity that you do is done beneath God's activity with this Godward attitude of worship and faith, this trust. God, you're at work here. You're at work in this job. God, I'm trying to pay the bills. And I know that I'm doing this underneath your activity. God, I am trying to keep my family safe, but I am not doing it alone. I'm doing it beneath you. God, I'm raising children, but I'm not doing it alone. I'm doing it beneath you. And I'm doing it beneath your smile. That's a difference-making kind of attitude. That's a difference-making kind of attitude as we begin to work together as a church. 
to love and live in our community, knowing that God is already at work in our community. And as we begin to look and pray for and partner with people around the world and say, God is at work in the world. He's working in other countries and he's working in other people and he's working at working in other churches. And we get to partner with, do our activity with him, not just for him. That's good news. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this song. Help us to begin to tune our hearts to sing it. May we begin to choose this Godward orientation, this Godward trust in every area of our life that can be filled with anxiety. Instead, fill it with faith. In Jesus' name, amen.